was popping, was popping, was popping. Welcome, Nikki and Moose. I'm Nikki. That's Moose. What's up, Moose? What up, y'all? And on this episode, we're going to be talking about what's next for Twitter. Elon stepped down. What can we expect? Did Magic Johnson just buy an NFL team? What's going on with that? Uh, when are su successful people supposed to put their people, quote unquote, on? And do you have the gift of art or the gift of business? You let us know. Moose, how are we feeling about this episode? I'm excited for this one. Other than these allergies, I think this is going to be a real good one. <laughs> Sorry for the allergies. But let's get into this intro. Two kids from Queens cut from a different cloth. Now joining forces, helping you to elevate your personal brand. Yeah, I'm talking about Nikki and Moose, bringing you a never before seen perspective into the mindset, the mentality, the behaviors, the driving force, but more importantly, the stories behind the people and brands that you know and love the most. And of course, you already know this episode is powered by Ecamm Live, the number one all-in-one streaming platform that not only can stream on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it, it can stream there. But it's also amazing for pre-recorded videos such like podcasts, and it does video transitions. It does voice, uh, well, audio, audio isolation, video isolation, text it does everything to produce a high level show podcast course whatever you want to do and we're giving away 14 days for free on us all you got to go is www.nickyandmoose.com slash ecamm that's e-c-a-m-m to get those 14 days on us hello moose how are we feeling Man, I feel pretty good, honestly. The only thing I just don't like about the allergies is that they do those uh, sneeze pump fakes. You ever get one of those? It's like, oh, the, it's like you're, uh, you're like, and then yeah, you, do, and you like, can't, it's like, and you never mind. Yeah, yeah, then you, your eyes get watery for no reason. People looking at you like, yo, why are you crying? I'm, I'm not crying. I, it's allergies, okay? And you try to do that whole explanation. So yeah, other than that, man, I feel, I feel really good. I feel Updates really good. on the baby. Baby's doing great, man. She's amazing. Smiling more and more every day, and uh, she's doing great. I'm so proud of her. Yay. How old so far? Uh, and, she oh, turned oh, two. No, wait, wait. Before you answer, are you oh. the parent that speaks on weeks or months? Uh, I mean, in the beginning, you definitely counted weeks because it was, it was early. I'm talking about she, like seven days and a half you're like all right it's about two weeks okay so she, so i'm right now i'm doing i'm i'm still in the week mode i haven't really decided which way i'm gonna go i'm so in the week okay mode. so it's like 12 weeks 17 weeks like mm, things like that mm, yeah no, when's, the, when's the cutoff on i think two months was the cutoff because i haven't said i haven't said like oh eight and a half weeks since like week seven so uh, i think i stopped at yeah week seven was my last week and then I've been two months for a minute. So, yeah, we're two months. Yeah, it's okay. two months now. So, two okay. months. All right. I don't, I don't know. Well, you know, some people are <laughs> like question, 22 weeks years old. What? Four, 22, four days and, uh, and six hours. So, I'm like, hey, yeah. yo, can you just tell me 
if the kid is a year, like I take pride pride in the children, I guess. Hey, I'm not knocking it, but like when you say seven, seventeen weeks, forty two weeks, I I can't, I can't do it, I can't do it. But because then makes me do math, like mm. don't make me do math. Then you then you gotta divide and see well how many months. Yeah, I feel you. I can see that. Hey, like okay, f- there's four weeks in a month. Okay, got it. No, don't want to do it. Fine, but. No offense to those people who do it. I, but just when you talk to me, can you just round it up to months? That's just rounded. That's all I ask. But anyways, uh, as of for me, um, this is the week when I am supposed to get the dog. Okay. Not telling you the name yet. We'll tell the name the next episode. No, well, the next episode, we already know what the next episode is. So the following episode. We'll announce what the next episode is at the end of this episode. So stay tuned. All right. But uh, super excited. Of course, I'm the type that buys accessories and doesn't measure anything. So I got this dog bed that doesn't fit the place where I wanted it to Mm. fit. So now it is the upstairs bed, which Mm. I didn't want it to be upstairs. But hey, so now I got to buy a downstairs bed. Got the got bonus got bed the, going. Got the car seat for the dog. Got the Wait, food. Wait, yeah. dogs have car seats? Yes. I did not know this. Yes. Vegan Are leather. Are they as expensive? <laughs> wow. Are they as expensive as children? Well, car how, seats? How, how much is the, because I spend a hundred and something on this, this oh, uh, okay. dog seat. That's not bad. Yeah, or maybe maybe not so much the car seat. Maybe the stroller is the more expensive oh, one. Oh, I'm not getting. I saw yeah. a stroller in the yeah. airport with the French bulldog, <laughs> and I said, "That's what I'm not." Oh going man, to I'm I not. I love how we're. That. Yeah, I love how we're technically in the same season of our lives now that you're getting this dog. I mean, really, it's about the same. So I guess it works. <laughs> well, the dog's gone. The, the dog yeah. is two months. The do- <laughs> I rest my case. I rest my case. There we go. The dog is, <laughs> That's is two months as of May 12th. The dog turned two months. Wow. So I'm just saying. So we're we're in the process of three days. We're three days apart, people. There we yes, go. Yes. Yes. And now apart. I have to put away all these sneakers when I find like in the week. This is going to be hilarious. So, uh, yeah, social media handles are secured. URLs are secured. Like I said, we will announce. If, if you want to see the announcement, uh, it'll probably be on on my social media. But Tune in. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be fired. That thing that Moose has seen the transformation of this dog, what it was mm-hmm. of what it is now. I'm like, oh my god, this is even better than I thought. So I love it. Yeah, I love it. But here here's a, oh, th- and this is gonna be an after show conversation. Um, however, I, uh, told CJ, mm-hmm. uh, I showed CJ the, the update and he's like, this has to be the cutest dog I've ever seen. I know this is why we're branding it. Well, what's the yeah. name? And I told the old name. He's like, no, I'm like, what? <laughs> now, mind you, I didn't tell him to like, Hey, what do you think? It was like, mm-hmm. No. Well, you know CJ is always going to say something about names. Jesus. So it was this big whole thing. After show, people, you will hear about the different 
options and how definitely one, I was absolutely no, but he asked Toby and everything. A lot of people got involved. A lot of people mm. got involved to today where I was like, it's going to be this. And he was like, fire. I was like, that's it. Close the chapter. Done. Over. So trademark is being put in full effect because I'm not going through these problems. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's so dope. But let's get into this episode. Of course, what's popping is uh, sponsored by Deeper Than The Brand. Okay. The number one content branding community that shows you how to confidently and authentically build a brand, grow social media presence, and build digital wealth. Go to deeperthanthebrand.com now. I don't know if y'all be on Twitter. I don't know if you follow Elon Musk. But uh, my man has stepped down as CEO, finally. Now, he has done a lot of things in his short time of being CEO, where pretty much 80% of Twitter staff was uh, laid off and 50% of ad revenue went down. So now he's like, you know what? I'm going to step down from CEO and I'm going to give it to, and I may butcher this name, okay? We're going to try. I'm not even going to get Moose's uh, assistance. I'm going to try. And so hopefully this is right, okay? But it's Linda Yacarino. I made it sound super Spanish. I don't even know if she's Spanish. But, okay, this is what she is. Now, what she was, because now she's the CEO of Twitter, but what she was, was the chair of global advertising, advertising for uh, NBC Universal, right? She was credited to pretty much making more than $100 billion in ads for them and has a huge part of the launch of the streaming platform, Peacock, right? Which Peacock has really good shows. So... What does this mean for Twitter? Now, in the recent time that Elon has been with Twitter, he's really focused on video, right? To the point where it has that kind of TikTok feel if you have a vertical video and they're starting to do exclusive shows. One person who is going to have a exclusive show is Tucker Carson. He just recently announced that and that's coming out. Now, and this is my opinion and I would love Moose's opinion too. Um, when it comes to what's possibly next for Twitter, I'm thinking you're looking at a streaming platform with social me media features and not just primary social media anymore. If the focus is going to be video, if you're getting a person who just launched a streaming platform, who was part of a huge network, NBC Universal, and with understanding that ad revenue went down 50% and this lady is in, was credited for making 
billions, hundred billions of dollars. Are we starting to see that Twitter will no longer, maybe because they can't be number one on the social media chart, maybe making a complete turn to a new innovative way of streaming platform? What do you think? Yeah, it's it's very much possible. I I think it's it, we could see that happen. But you also have to keep in mind, I think Elon is just moving like a true entrepreneur who is buying a business and is staying with it long enough just to shake things up, make some changes, give it a new energy, and then put another operator in place so that he can take his hands off of it. I don't want to actually dive too deep into the concept of operators because I want to talk about it in one of our later clips, but probably one of the most important hiring decisions that every owner, big or small, I'm not just talking about brands and companies the size of Twitter, it's for all businesses for that matter, the biggest decision that any CEO or any owner has to make is to find an operator. So it could be that move based on her track record, but I think it could also be the move of, hey, I just wanna get someone who's qualified to really scale this company so that I don't have to do it because I'm Elon Musk and I have all these other things going around and, and I can't dedicate my all to just one company. So I think that that could be very likely. Hmm. Well, people, what do you think about it? Elon stepping down. Shout out to uh, Linda. I'm not going, I'm not even going to say your last name. I said it one time. That was it. Congrats. Uh, hopefully you can take care of all the baggage, but where do we see Twitter going from now? Are we even caring? Do we uh, see it being a streaming platform? Do we want to keep it as social media? What do you want? You let us know. But Moose, what do we got on the business side? Yeah, so interesting stuff, man. Always good news, especially when you hear that people of, of our community are getting into ownership positions and especially ownership in sports and more specifically in the NFL. So a group led by Magic Johnson, Johnson and others have agreed to buy the NFL's Washington Commanders. For those of you, those are like the uh, Redskins, but they've changed the name recently. So now the Washington Commanders from uh, da Dan Snyder and his family. So family owned business there, right? Uh, for a record $6.05 billion. Crazy, crazy, big numbers. Big numbers, but here's why this is so impressive. First of all, if you have not been studying Magic Johnson, uh, his conglomerate company or his holding company, Magic Johnson Enterprises, they he's really involved in a lot of different brands, a lot of different companies. So uh, a lot of us know him from being a professional basketball player that played for the LA Lakers, now has some stake in the LA Lakers, but he also owns other brands like TGIF Fridays, Burger King, Sodexo. Uh, for those of you who might remember that, if you went to college, Sodexo was, and I think I'm saying that right, but for the most part, that was the company that provided lunch and food for a lot of the cafeterias and a lot of these uh, college campuses. So very interesting business portfolio that he has, but now he expands into the NFL. Now, if you're wondering why this might have happened, 
I want you to listen to this stat here, right? It says this, the world's 50 most valuable sports teams are, are worth the combined $220 billion. That's 30% more than just one year ago. The NFL continues its dominance with 30 of its 32 teams in the top 50% or in the top 50, uh, making 60% of the list. So basically, NFL franchises dominate the business world or the sports business specifically from a value standpoint. So very strategic yet intentional move to say, okay, I'm in uh, basketball. I believe he's also in baseball because he owns a percentage of the LA Dodgers or he was involved with the LA Dodgers. Uh, I know for sure he was dabbling in baseball as well, but now expanding in to the NFL. So a great move for his portfolio there. And for those of you listening, if you see me covering a lot of these types of deals, it's because I'm personally studying mergers and, mergers and acquisitions. And I think a lot of us need to pay pay attention to that. We don't always have to build a business from the ground up. Is it good to do so? Yes. If it's something you're super passionate about, you have a unique skill set in, it doesn't exist in the marketplace. Those are prime opportunities for you to say, hey, I'm the person who's best suited to bring something like this to the marketplace, go full on. But in a lot of other cases, especially if you have the capital or the financing, or you have access to capital, meaning that you partner with the right sources, you can usually buy cash or buy businesses that are already cash flowing, they're established, and you just have to bring in your experience and continue the operation. So I also want to make sure that we're providing you with a variety of business opportunities or ways to just evaluate opportunities in general. You don't always have to build the business. You can buy a pre-existing business. And in this case, yes, the numbers are bigger, it's sports, it's all that, but it's the same thing as you buying somebody else's business from down the street or from online, right? We saw digital stores and all those e-com things. At one point, that was a big hot sale. So uh, we'll, we'll continue to monitor these types of deals and bringing you that to the forefront. So you get some exposure to how you can navigate your portfolio as well. Fire. Now let's get into the creator of the week and the creator of the week is Jabari Johnson. Now, I don't know if y'all remember a few weeks ago, uh, I got told to come through to an R&B only event. And literally that's what I heard. It was a event of sold out of 5,000 people in a spot to listen to R&B, okay? A super unique event that had like a vibe of storytelling, uh, EDM kind of look, special effects, crowd interactions. It was so amazing. And he does this city to city, doing events, doing festivals. And so he's been putting out a whole bunch of content lately and got one, uh, especially for those people who are thinking about uh, doing live events, um, not necessarily concerts, but just live events as a whole. Got some tips for you. Well, I would say if you want to get into the live space, make the barrier to entry low at first hmm. because the live industry is very different than others, right? Committing to watching a Netflix series, low commitment. 
<laughs> I could watch it whenever I want. I could watch it on my phone. I could watch it at home in my underwear. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to do much but have a Netflix subscription, turn it on, and I could watch it passively. The live industry is so different than any other industry because the commitment is not just in a ticket purchase. You got to know what type of fit you're wearing. You know what I mean? You got to know who you're going with. When we look at our ticket sales as a whole, the average order amount is like 1.97, which means that on average, two people are attached to every single order. There's a lot of coordination when it comes to committing to a live event. So, you know, a lot of young live event producers, they come to me for advice and I always tell them, don't think that having free events at first is a loss. Super gems that got me thinking as well. Um, but maybe working on some things, but me going into that event and having some behind the scenes with him, uh, seeing how it all operates, the team that's involved, the coordination, the storytelling is amazing. So we wanted to highlight Jabari Johnson as creator of the week. Moose, did you know about Jabari before I said, before I went to that event? No, not not before you went to the event. And uh, I definitely didn't think about the event space the way he just uh, kind of broke that down. So that's fire. See? See? Yes. We're back at it. We're back at it, people. Back at it. Now, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the blueprint. Now, we've spoken about leverage a few times on this podcast, but we're going to look at it in a different way today. There's kind of two sides. One, from being a successful brand, successful business, and when to put or if to put your people, quote unquote, on. And then, of course, on the other side. When can you expect to be put on, right? Um, we watched an interview, uh, well, two interviews, one with Rich Paul on Rap Radar and Kevin Hart on uh, Impulsive. And they brought really good perspectives when it comes to leverage and when it comes to putting people on that I would love for us to dissect go back and forth with, you know, we've been highly documented that me and Moose looks a little bit different on this topic. Uh, so hopefully there could be some common ground with this one. If not, it's great conversation. Let's get to it. Try to keep it, keep leading by example. When you can work with your people, work with them, especially if they're capable of doing a job. Mm -hmm. And so I think oftentimes, people get it construed in terms of, oh man, you got on, you should put me on. Mm. No, I got on, you should put yourself in a position where you're capable of being put on. Yeah. That way, when I do give you an opportunity, we both look good, right. Yeah. right? At the end of the day, if you're a work for hire and they decide not to hire you no more, you're just not hired yeah. if you built nothing. Now. If you are a work for hire, and while being a work for hire, you build your likeness, and that likeness gets you into the rooms where opportunities exist to make you a partner, owner, investor, face, 
And those ideas and those concepts take you to a space of future opportunities to invest, build. Well, now, if you're a part of things that have worked, things that look and now show success, it's all built off of a real resume. So you're no longer a work for hire. You're a proof of concept. Yep. Bars. Moose, what's yeah. your thoughts? Yeah, so so this is interesting, and I and I, I obviously understand why you know you said what you said about we us we don't really see usually don't see eye to eye on this concept, but I think as you spend enough time in an industry, you understand. Now, here's why I typically say uh, phenomenal points, by the way, by both Rich Paul and Kevin Hart. I totally get what they're saying, but here's why I say leveraging is not for everyone, all right? Leveraging is not for everyone. I wish I had Some the sound effect of doom, 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 doom. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, just, I just, you know why not, but I just think, honestly, some people just don't know how to look beyond a current circumstance or situation that they're in to see how one plus one can equal three. Now, there are some scenarios where you could say, Okay, yeah, no, nah, I can see one and one. Like, I can see that math adding up because there's an unknown variable there that you do gain in the process. What I am learning, though, and I can share this from experience, is that as long as you're involved in an opportunity that is teaching you something, right, there is leverage there that you might not be even aware of. So mm -hmm. the way I feel I've always translated leverage is that I'm, I'm putting up with something or I'm compromising a certain value or a certain portion of what I feel I deserve or am worth because of this undisclosed type of thing I'm getting in return. And by that, I mean, it could be value that is not always monetary, right? So it's like, okay, let me, let me utilize the situation, make the most of it so that I can use it as a springboard to my next opportunity. So that's how I've always viewed it. My philosophy was, why can't we all operate in the each one teach one mentality? Meaning that if I take, if I find a way to get from the first floor or from the ground floor to the 10th floor, how can I send that same elevator back down to bring the rest of my people up at least to the seventh, eighth or ninth floor, if not the floor that I'm on? Now that works in a hypothetical scenario when everyone thinks and feels and operates the way you do, right? In the sense of, oh, if the next person gets to a level beyond me, they're gonna look out, send the elevator back down so that we can all be on equal ground. In most cases, I don't wanna say people don't want to look out for their people, but I can understand why it's sometimes not possible. You know, because we're talking about Rich Paul, when you look at LeBron's camp, with the exception of maybe Mav uh, Carter, the people he played basketball with in high school, LeBron, those are not the core people of, of his team. Right. You know, like you would think, okay, wait, the the core five, I forget what, what they called them when they were all in high school, like they were the buddy buddies that went on this run and did this whole history. You would think those are the people that are on his team now that are helping him structure this billion dollar enterprise. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily the case. And I don't think it's, he's not wrong for it. Right. As you go, as you, as you gain life experience, you start to see, okay, I can't hand you a ticket. 
if uh, you can't. It's a nice way to say this. There's, there's a mean way you say it. I want to know the mean way. But you know, I try to. I try to be nice. I'm a nice guy. I'm. I'm, I'm really. Know, I'm really a nice guy. This. That's why yeah, it's okay yeah. to be mean once in a while because we already established that you are nice. <laughs> we already established that part. No, I just. I just. You know. I, I think it's. It's difficult for someone to give an opportunity if by granting you that access, I lose the position I'm at, right? Mm -hmm. Or I risk losing the status that someone is, you know, that, that someone has achieved. So I think that's why when you look around and you see stories of successful teams, most people are, are going to help and look out and all those things, but carefully it's it's done with with some level of cautiousness just because i don't think anyone is willing to bring their people on at the risk of losing their own status or their own position i'm with that i'm with that so okay so let me ask you more on the the person on the other end right because no, actually, let me ask you from the person who is successful in a certain sense, right? Um, is there a sense of feeling guilt? Like, what is that? What do they call that? Like, uh, survivor's guilt in a sense? There, that what it is, right? That's what it is. So you come in with a certain group. And now there is a certain level of success that you've seen. How do you pick who gets put on, who comes through, or who kind of needs to prove themselves a little bit more? Yeah, you're going to make mistakes. I think most people do make mistakes, right? Because... I, I've made the mistake in the very beginning, you always try to hire your friends because they're your friends, they're the only ones you know, really. And so you're starting a business, you look around like, who am I gonna hire? Oh, come on, man, let's, let's, let's just try and make this thing work. And, and very, very, you, very quickly, you will find out who was cut out for this and who was not. Right. I, think, I think what most people have to do if they're playing, for, if we're looking at it from the role of the successful, the, the successful individual, they just have to trust their intuition. Mm -hmm. right trust your intuition if you feel okay i know this person's talented but man i don't trust him around money just don't let them handle the finances like put them in an area where they know they can excel shameless plug definitely take the flight assessment i mean low-key like that's a big part of it too i think that fixes the conversation <laughs> take the flight assessment there you go there's, there's the answer to everything i'm with that i'm yeah. with that flightassessment.com talk about it later but flightassessment.com slight plug um, well, I, so the bad thing is that I think I, I, I come from both sides, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I want to speak to, let's say the nine to five person or the person who is, uh, in the environment of something of success that they've helped or that they've been around. And now it's like, okay. Can it be my turn or whatever? So I look at it in two different ways with this, where you still want to build your own with 
with leveraging some of the skills by being around this environment, by helping out with the success, uh, build your own so you can have your own identity, right? Um, because you almost set yourself up for disappointment when you are helping somebody else build something and they do not give you what you expect, right? We see many success stories like uh, Kevin Hart with his plastic cup boys and buying a whole bunch of cars for them and going on trips and everything like that. And so, uh, you know, you hear uh, things like Floyd Mayweather and, you know, making sure everybody has their own and investing in their businesses of whoever was on his team. So you hear about some of these big 1% situations and you're like, oh, if, if you've gotten this level of success, it's, it's on. And you're going to get highly disappointed, especially when that wasn't even talked about. Like there is uh, always kind of this sense of expectations of if I help you build this, you're going to look out for me in some way, shape, or form. This is going to be mutual in some way, right? Because you realize as their value went up, yours did too, right? So I look at it where you want to leverage the skills based off how you've helped this to be successful, this to execute, whether you're in a nine to five or whether in a situation of being around the success, let me get these transferable skills and start to set up something of my own, right? Now, not everybody is meant to have their own. And I'm not saying have your own as far as your own business, but more of your own name, right? As, as, and, and I'm just talking from a branding standpoint, right? What, what Kevin Hart said in that last part, which is like build the, like, the, the likeness, right? Where people see that if you are around, you add value. So that doesn't mean you had your own business, but you instantly being in the room adds value. Mm -hmm. So this is where I say, whether it's from a branding standpoint or just establishing yourself of being that person, right? That person of, that helped with the success. I would say lean on that. Now, going from the separate side of, okay, there's a little bit of success where there's a lot of success, you know, who do, who do you put on, right? Um, and this is where the battle of loyalty comes in. This is the battle of, well, what makes the most sense revenue-wise, what makes the most sense scalability-wise that doesn't always mean uh, revenue. And so you could get really hurt off of the loyalty part. You know, we all started this together. Let's let's do this together. But we got to go with that saying where it's like, and you know it, the because I'm butcher it because I'm I'm going to say it. But it's like those people who you started with 
is only going to get you so far. There's a whole nother way, but I didn't want to butcher it. But it could only get you so far, right? And so you have to be, you have to acknowledge that. Just like how Moose said, where there was other people in LeBron's camp in the beginning. And they're, all we really know is Mav and Rich Paul. Those are the only two we really, really, truly, truly know. But think about going back to what I said earlier, where because they built their likeness. Like Mav is good on his own, but still is attached. Rich Paul is good on his own, extremely good on both of them, extremely good on their own, still attached, right? So, and, and they took that first part of, okay, LeBron did this. Let me take that and let me create my likeness. So from the success side, you have to be willing to acknowledge those people who see it working, not even all the way successful, see it working and starting to build something that can help in totality the full mission. Not only the ones that are just riding the coattail and being like, hey, we did this all together. That's great. And when I'm done with this, you are too. Because the value is, the own, is what I've put energy towards. So if I put energy towards it, you are valuable. If I don't put energy towards this, you are not, no longer valuable. So he, here's like the, the, the two side of it. But I do believe in all of it. Are we building our likeness as the number one person or as the 105 person? Are we building our likeness to continue to hold value? And, and not be only subjective to whether this is successful or not, or whether the person has energy on it or not. So that's kind of how I, I look at this leverage situation, um, especially based off how uh, Rich Paul and Kevin Hart said, because like I said, when, if from that second part, uh, if you are a person for hire and you, it's no longer needed, you're not a person for hire. But mm -hmm. if, if I know that your likeness is of value and then we continuously see it and then we can see different opportunities from an investment, equity, um, partnership, all these di different things, then stay on. Stay, stay right yeah. here. We like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, and it's, it's so crazy because there's, a, there's almost two completely different approaches of do I play the loyal game and I make sure I'm, I'm for my crew, even in the spaces that they're not here with me, or do I represent myself? Because I think that's really the two sides of the coin that when you talk about this leverage conversation or just this specific example in general, this is the thing that most people have to decide on. And at the end of the day, I can't tell you that one is better than the other or one is right and one is wrong. I think it really just depends on how you're wired and what makes sense for you. You know, I figured out, figured out early on playing the leverage game is just not my way because I feel that it's not transparent enough and it doesn't make clear what the expectations are. There are some partnerships that are just so easy to carry. 
that they make you want to stay loyal to. You're like, yo, why would I even do anything outside of this setup when talking about money is easy, having difficult conversations is easy, uh, when it's good, it's easy. Like, you know, it's just worth it. And so I think some of those opportunities, and and you'll know, like, the one thing I want to say on this part here is just, I want to emphasize by saying, trust your gut. Like, trust your gut. I got a question. Yeah. So, are are you not a fan of leverage maybe due to past situations that wasn't transparent mm-hmm. to, to fully trust the leverage? Like, if it was transparent enough and you saw here at this milestone, this is what's going to happen, and, the, and that's the situation would that possibly change your mind like i think i think if it if it's going to work it's the other because look leverage the way i see it is you're leaning on something to almost carry the weight of whatever is holding you down right like think of think of it in, in, from a from a from a space standpoint or or a, a physics standpoint, mm-hmm. you have to lean the weight onto something else to lift the weight off of this, right? And so, there needs to be transparency in the beginning from that person. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, let's do this together. I want you to use this as an opportunity to leverage off of you know, yeah. and I just don't know. With someone in that status, let's say the person who is more successful than, yeah. would they have that type of conversation to give someone the opportunity? Because I could also see it from the position of them. If I'm more successful, right, and I'm, I'm seeing someone who's up and coming and saying, hey, lean on me, take full advantage of me. How do you know this person won't maybe go too far? Like, so I can see it from both sides. I just think it's, a, it's an uncomfortable conversation in a sense to say that. So, like, I can understand why there lacks transparency in, in the whole leverage game. But at the same time, it's difficult for me to, like, to thrive there without it. So, for me, I just, I just ease up on the leverage game. But I do, I do now that you, the way you broke that down as far as really making a name for yourself, I do think that's where... I've always said pride, but I think that's probably what I intend to do is just to represent myself well enough that regardless of what happens, so, oh no, you you got to respect this person's, the way he carried himself, you know, the way they showed up. So I think that, that, damn, that part just, it fits me more. Like it just, you know, feels right. feels right. Yeah, I don't, so, and the only reason why I ask is because I think at a certain point, you don't accept every opportunity for leverage, right? Yeah. There are certain points that you've, you've done enough to, to where it isn't, uh, I don't need to play the leverage game, right? But I think in situations that you've never been in that space or in that type of, let's say, even from a situation of uh, a business that's only made six figures, to then working with a seven figure to then eight figure, right? Like you may still want to play the leverage game a little bit to 
the the different levels of that you're working with, of course, setting certain boundaries that whole nine. But I, I know that before the leverage game has uh, stopped me sometimes, a bad leverage game has stopped mm. me from certain opportunities that could have been a good uh, leverage game. So now I'm more open to just being like, is this something that I can really uh, come come up on in different ways and not just from a money standpoint? Um, is this something I've ever done? I can't just sit here and look at my past, know my value, right? Mm -hmm. But that's, I mean, that's why I ask because it's like, if things were a bit more transparent in business, uh, would it maybe change it? Since especially, you know, gathering some of these skills is going to make you better with your likeness. So, yeah, that's it. I mean, that's a good question. Yeah, one of those questions. But, uh, you know, in that same context of of leverage and and you know, one seeing some type of success. It's said that in this year, this age, we are in a level of complacency where we are either entitled or uh, technology has made it seem as if we could be a little bit uh, loose or, or, or lazier, right? And so in the same interview with Rich Paul and then uh, LL Cool J, who was on uh, Wallow and Gilly's uh, podcast, where talking about, you know, sometimes just because you see a little bit of success doesn't give you the right to be lazy. Having the number one pick isn't the end all be all. And getting fired isn't the worst thing in the world. Mm. And what I meant by that is it don't, and I, and I said after that, it's, everything in between that resilience to continue to move yeah. forward. I know that there are other ways to monetize your life. I understand that, but even in the new era, uh, in the, uh, dealing with the new economics, being lazy ain't, gonna, ain't the answer. No, on no I level. Care, I don't care on what level you put it. The lazy thing does not work. So, you know what I'm saying? What you gonna do? You know, you have, you know, people that are, you know, you, you got some people that are overwhelmed by artificial intelligence. You have other people that understand they got to utilize it as a tool. You know, it, it's all about how you utilize the moments in your life. So uh, I brought I brought this up because and it's funny because I, I posted a, a bit ago um, about, OK, we we strive for this viral moment. Some of us like really, you know, I want to go viral. I want to go viral, but it has nothing. It means nothing. It doesn't show any type of success until we can look at your past and what you're going to do after. And what I love about what Rich Paul said is like, yo, the, my, what has happened to me doesn't really determine anything. Right. Like, it is what it is. I got number one draft pick, and it can all go away tomorrow. You know, I could get fired from 
that same number one draft pick. That doesn't determine how valuable I am. But what am I doing in between? What am I doing to keep me uh, relevant, to keep me on top of my game? And when El Kuje was just like, yo, you know, some of us are just lazy based off, you know, once again, the entitled and, and technology. And we, we see people from, from my field making so much money on social media. So we think we could just post a few times and the money's going to come in. Hello, I'm ready, viral, millions of dollars, Mr. B status. And you're like, nah, that's not, that's not what happens, right? And once again, just staying on top of the game when he brought up AI of like, yo, am I incorporating some of these things so I can stay on top of my game? Musa, I'm, I'm, I want to ask you, what are some of the things that you believe keeps people entitled or feel as if they don't have to do the work? Because it is, you know, what, what the work ethic was growing up before us is way different than what it is now. I don't think it's right or wrong, but it is different. So to you, what are some ways that like one is a sign and then two to not be so in that way? Yeah, I, I think the first one is people are not accurately measuring value, right? When you don't know how to properly measure the value of something, you can also lose track of the value that you're bringing to a particular situation. And so if you evaluate what you're bringing to be more than what it actually is, you feel entitled to ask for more than what you deserve. And you may not feel entitled. Like, I don't think anyone ever goes to a negotiation table saying, I feel like I need to get paid more than what I'm worth. But the reality is because you mis miscalculate the value or you don't understand how value works in a particular ecosystem at, within a business, within a brand, with, within any, even in a relationship, when you're not clear on how value was calculated and really uh, uh, brought forth, you start to misconstrue or miscalculate what you're bringing to the table. And so it comes off to the other party like, dude, you're entitled. You have no clue what this is actually worth or what's the value of what you're bringing. Now, I'm not questioning people's value or saying that they're not worthy or not, but that's the, that's the reality behind it. So it breeds a level of selfishness that others start to see in that mentality of, oh, I feel as though I'm entitled to this or I deserve this, although I may have not done the necessary work to get it. That and sense. that's a big part of it, right? So like, like literally there is a situation that has happened over the last couple of days where as I, and the one thing that I try to do in a lot of these situations where uh, it puts you in a position to see that someone is coming off as entitled or selfish or these. I try to do more listening than just attacking, like, how dare you or mm -hmm. go in that mode. So I try to understand, like, what do you, why do you believe this is what the value should be in your favor? Mm -hmm. Help me to understand. And if, and if, you're truly knowledgeable or you can truly represent yourself 
in a way that makes it evident that this is what you're worth, then by all means, because you can articulate it, you probably do deserve it. Right. What I find very interesting is that most people who request these, and let's just say in the business world, usually it's obnoxious salaries or very high comp plans. It's usually around money in the business world, at least. When you ask to justify or really help to make sense of why they feel this is the right way to do it, the responses that are giving are very general, broad, low-level answers. Someone who's, who's really worthy of, let's say, the utmost compensation or the highest level of value, whatever they, can, they specialize in certain things. They bring forth the level of knowledge that you only gather through dedicating yourself to a craft, to spending enough time mastering something that you can almost shortcut an entire five years into two years because you're just that good. And so when you ask for the bigger piece of the pie, and you, I'm just generally speaking, and then you're asked to represent yourself or say why you feel that is necessary or why you feel that's the right way to go about it. But the only thing you can speak about or the only thing you can mention are just basic generalities. It's like, hey, how did, how did, why do you believe you should be the leader? Well, you know, I think a good leader has good communication skills. And, you know, I know how to talk. <laughs> it's like, I know come how to on. Talk. <laughs> really, that's how you're going to. So I, I noticed I noticed that, you know, number one, it's not accurately measuring the value mm-hmm. of the, the situation and what you're bringing. And so you feel that you deserve more than what you might be getting. And so you ask for more. And then even worse is when you feel that what you've done in the past is enough for what you're asking for today. So you begin to rest a little bit and say, oh, no, nah, I'm chill. Like, oh, you remember what I did last year? And, 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 and in today's world, just with the way things are shaping up, something that was relevant three years ago is not even really applicable today. Right. Everyone's going to talk about COVID. Well, COVID is, is long gone. I mean, things that were relevant in the COVID era are just not here today. I mean, and, and the biggest lesson to learn from that is Mark Zuckerberg and the metaverse. Having spent billions of dollars and taken such a huge bet on this thing to work, hoping and, and really even having the evidence that this is going to be the way of the future, where is that stuff now? Mm. Right? So the world is showing you that what you did before, even within three years, if you're not constantly innovating and working on your craft and looking for competitive advantages and, and finding a way to upskill or add skills to your overall career or whatever it is it's tough to it's tough to add the same level of value on something that was relevant three years ago it's like it's like that car that you drive off the lot it was brand new in 2020 but today that car is three years old so it's just you don't get the same money for it that's that's a that's i don't i don't have to go past that that's a fact so uh people uh, whether you like to leverage or not, hopefully you got some something out of this segment. Because uh, it's a really good segment. That's all I can say. It's a really good segment. But let's get into this or that. And it is uh, something that represents uh, Moose's side and then my side. 
So first and foremost, this segment is brought to you by flightassessment.com. Okay. Discover your personal superpower and learn how to use your superpower to become a master communicator, strengthen all your relationships and develop the self-awareness you need to fulfill your highest potential. Go to flightassessment.com. We already plugged them, but we're going to plug them again. Okay. Now we, I think on this podcast, we do an amazing job of speaking to creators business owners, right? Um, And even to the creators who need to evolve into business owners, right? And, And understanding different ways to monetize, understand different ways to handle uh, scalability. But do we just have the art, the gift of art, or just the gift of business? And that the few percent, like one or two percent, understands how to do both. So once again, uh, L. Kuje on the Wallow and Gilly podcast uh, says something that he talked about old school hip hop artists and that their value is extremely unmeasurable. But some won't say that because... They don't have the billions of dollars based off some of the decisions that they've made. And he also speaks about some of the decisions he's made and how he's evolved. So uh, let's listen uh, to that. Like some people have the gift of business. Right. Mm -hmm. Some people have the gift of art. Right. Some people have other gifts. Right. So. Like, just because somebody didn't monetize something doesn't mean they didn't want to. Right. It just means that maybe they missed a lick or didn't hit a thing or made a decision and it didn't go their way. You know, like we did, like we introduced Troop, the clothing line to yeah, the world. major. You know right. what I'm saying? And, um, you know, I wore Kangos. I didn't have a deal with Kangos, but I wore Kangos and we popularized that, right? Did you? But then we, but but then by the time, but I learned my lessons through Troop, I made money with Troop a little bit. It did well. But with Kango, obviously I didn't do anything. I still wear them though, not a problem. It's all love. But then by the time I got to FUBU, I learned my lesson, right? So when I, you know, helped Damon and them get on and help, you know, that whole thing happen, you know, I'm one of the owners of FUBU, right? So, you know, that, you evolve. Mm. So, Moose, this is my question for you, okay? Uh... Even though this podcast is meant to understand how to evolve, right? And be that small percent that can do both, right? Based off some of the lessons, based off of our own experience, and then some of the experience from celebrities and influencers. Do you believe that some people just have the gift of business and can't do the art side? Or some people just have the gift of art and can't do the business side, right? Like, mm. do you believe that? Like, mm. what what mm. I realize mm. is that a- as I'm thinking of past episodes, we really speak towards the person who has a creative mind and how to understand the business side. But we really don't speak on the business person getting into the art side. So are we trying to transform people <laughs> yeah. into 
something and not vice versa. That's a great point. I've never really thought about it that way in terms of how we, uh, you know, lay out the content that way. But definitely, you know, I think that it's interesting because it's a, it's a, I feel that it's a more difficult switch to make. Mm-hmm. To go from business to art, I feel as though it's a little bit more difficult than it is to go from art to business. The reason why I say that is because art, there's, there's almost this, this energy, this soul that, that comes to creativeness, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you, and I notice it especially, and for those of you listening, think about, think about any friends that you have that are musicians, specifically with that category of art, musicians. There's something about their energy that you can't learn that. Mm-hmm. You can't learn to sing. You can't learn to hear music. I forget who it is I, I came across on TikTok. Dude, he was on the Jimmy Fallon show. Dude made a whole song using a coffee mug and a teaspoon and just just made these sounds, found the soundboard and fire. And I'm just saying, this is the kind of stuff that make me want to just like, I don't know, go get a, a rain check on my gift or something like, can I, can I return this? Can I, can I exchange my gift for this right, right. here? Cause that's fire. So, so it's so difficult to make the transition from business to art because art can't be taught business. And I'm a business guy saying this business can be taught. There's enough best practices from business that if you dedicate enough time to it, you can pick up on. And if you don't do that, your mistakes will eventually teach you. I mean, that's kind of what you see with LL Cool J there saying, Hey, um, you know, could I have made money? Yeah, but it's not that I didn't want to. I kind of just didn't know how to. However, mm-hmm. as I progressed along and dropped the ball in a few areas, I got to a point with FUBU where I'm, I'm an owner there. Mm-hmm. So I, that, that's how I see it on as it relates to that switch up and the vice versa. The vice versa is a little bit hard to handle. I don't know that it's, it comes as easy. So here's where I disagree a little bit because I believe everything can be taught. Now, you may be thinking more from a standpoint of the ones that we see are like naturally creative, right? And so to think of the creative side, you instantly think of those who are naturally that I can't ever get on that level. But to say I can't uh, teach you how to be creative in this certain field, uh, whether it is from a music standpoint, an acting standpoint, a drawing standpoint, a content standpoint. Um, it's to say that you can't, I mean, we've seen rappers turn actors. We've seen athletes turn rappers. We've seen multiple different things to where they may not be the best. And same to where we look at creators turning into uh, the business side, they may not be the best because naturally they are not on the business side, but you, you learn the foundation to stay afloat right now. What now th- this is where the real battle of, do you need to learn the creative side mm. in life? Or do you need to learn the business side? Maybe that's a whole different conversation. I'm not so even going to open big, that, that chapter up, right? I'm not. Because I feel like that's a that's a strong battle. 
Um, but it, I, I look at it in creators are going to have to, to be able to, one, be taken serious, and two, to scale. There does need to be uh, some type a foundation to be learned about business, right? Eventually, I, speaking for me, I would just like somebody to just take care of that. Let me be the creator because I can think on a certain creative level that you can't. And then you be the business side because I can't think of some of the, the ins and outs and legal jargons and contracts and negotiation I, that that drains me i i make ends meet with that but that drains me right and so it it goes to i do believe that there is a small percentage that can do both in a high level you feel me let me ask you this though do you think that business people really learn the art or they just learn to value the part of the creative? I think both. Like they, I think both. Yeah. Because, okay, yeah. so so I had this conversation, uh, was it yesterday? I believe, no, the day before, um, where, you know, there's always that person, especially more on those who are in the business side. I was speaking to a CPA and she was like, I'm not creative. I was like, there's levels to creativity, right? It's about recognizing the level that you're in and not seeking to be something further than that you're not just because you see other creators. The social media has allowed us to mess with our, put respect on our level of creativity, right? So she's like, that makes sense. I was like, you probably have a level of creativity within the business world that you just see uh, creativity as the art situation. But to think of different ideas of how to save certain people money and then executing on it is still creativity to me. That's to me. Because I can't think of those ideas. Where did those ideas came from? come from? comes from your mind of thinking of different things that aren't, weren't possible before. You made it into a certain situation. And now look at where it's at. So I do believe that business people, just because it's not in a art form, visual form, that kind of way of what we deem as art, I do believe ideas is still... Uh, a gift of art, right? So I think everybody has that level, that gift of creativity. I don't know if everybody has that gift of business. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Because I know I know business is, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of almost tactical warfare that goes on mm -hmm. that 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 shouldn't feel difficult or offensive although it comes off as such All right so i know sometimes and and this is still happening in our communities by the way that's why i forget who i was listening to i think it was rich paul in that interview that, that, with um 
uh, Rap Radar where he talks about people from the community still have not found the way to do business together without taking it personal or mm. or feeling as though it's an attack. It's just that you you bring that same uh, kind of level-headed approach and recognize that that's how it's being done and that's okay. So I think that's why business is more difficult to learn because it does require you to almost tune out your emotions completely. And when you think about what are one of the pieces that make creatives or the, the artist, how they are and what makes them so successful is that they're probably hyper-intuitive to their emotions. Right. So now you're telling them, okay, the thing that made you very, very, very successful in this thing, yeah, just go ahead and completely shut that out. So you could win on this side. That's that's a tough that's a tough thing to do. That's why I was saying maybe it's not so much that they learn to do it, meaning from business going to the creative or to the art, but you see the value and you recognize the value and the importance of it. I know that's what I that I've done. You know, when I think about it, even in the in the the space of content, mm-hmm. I don't know that I have just woke up one day and I have a love for content creation or I have a newfound a gift in being able to create content. But but what happened was I started to see the value in having a voice, in controlling your narrative, in building relationships with a great group of people or, or a big group of people. And the value of those things combined made me buy into and want to invest more time and to become better at content. So it was more of a logical convincing that I did to myself to say, oh, you see, and because of this reason and that reason and that reason, you need to invest time to become better at it or just value it a little bit more. So I think what you value, you somehow start to get better at just because you put more emphasis on it. That's a fact. Listen, people, uh, what gift do you have? Let us know. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or anywhere, uh, what gift do you have? If you're listening to this, tweet us on the platform that uh, Elon used to run. You feel me? There's no longer uh, a CEO <laughs> of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just tweet us. Um, but look, uh, once again, please check out Creator Av, our audio only new series that is on the same Nikki and Moose channel. Okay. Same Nikki and Moose channel every Friday, 6 a.m. Go check that out. Um, Follow us on all social media platforms. Oh, the creator of the week, uh, Jabari Johnson. We may have him this week, Mm. next week. I don't know. Uh, We got, we got things scheduled. So from right now, the next episode will be Jabari Johnson. But if it changes, just understand people's schedules change. You know what I mean? Moose Moose has a baby. (laughs) The other guy has a baby coming. So it can come early. We don't know. All right. So just keep in mind for that. um, Every Tuesday, YouTube Live, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Five, five, five West Coast time, I believe. Is it? Sounds no? about right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I could be wrong. Um, go check out the Nikki and Moose Live that is on YouTube and on Facebook. So, uh, Moose, final words. 
Yeah, so for those of us who are very routine-oriented individuals, right, you need like your routine to function at a high level, um, just be mindful to not allow your routine to make you superstitious. It's one thing to need a routine, it's another thing to rely on a routine to make you function and be high level. So at the end of the day, break your routine in a while, uh, once in a while, and, and try and mix it up because have a routine, but don't let your routine run you.